if you can hire a coach, it's no different than working out, right? Uh, I don't know how to look like you unless you teach me how to look like you in the gym. Same idea. I believe in getting coaching, uh, regardless of what you're trying to get better at, because you are where you are. And if you're stuck, it's because you're not being coached from above. Welcome to Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Seth Heckman, sales manager of Isaiah Industries and one of your co-hosts on this episode. Joining me is Todd Miller, Isaiah Industries president uh, and the other. So today's guest uh, for this episode is Aaron Murphy, founder of ADM Architecture and veteran of the commercial and residential design industry. He has designed well over a million and a half square feet of projects in his career, including office building, medical offices, hotels, custom homes, and more. As a certified aging in place specialist, he is passionate about designing solutions for accessibility and safety for homes with older occupants. As we all watch our loved ones live longer and longer, aging in place is going to be a relevant topic for all of us. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Aaron, thank you uh, so much for joining us on Construction Disruption. I appreciate you guys having me. It's a lot of fun to share and talk with others in the industry. Absolutely. Uh, We love it as well. So to start, uh, if you could tell us more about your background in the design industry and how you came to be passionate about aging in place. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, did you have a personal connection uh, that led you uh, down this path of interest? I did. Yeah. So I graduated University of Washington in 1996 and started with a couple firms in Seattle. Uh, when I moved to the county that I live in outside of Seattle and decided to go out on my own, I recognized I actually had two ahas and I put them together. One was watching my grandmother when I was still in college go from uh, retired, traveling the world, playing bridge, enjoying her life at five foot nine to eventually five foot two and trapped in a hospital bed in the living room of her split level home in Portland, Oregon, and not knowing my grandfather's name. Uh, So osteoporosis and Alzheimer's is how she got there. And at 22 at UW, I wasn't ready to talk about things like grandma's medical stuff or hygiene situation or, but I noticed being in architecture school that her home was broken. A split-level home, I mean, it's eight steps to the laundry room from the garage. It's eight steps to get up to the other room or the, the, the only shower. None of the things that you need in your daily life except for the kitchen are on the main floor. And she couldn't use any of them at the end. And it really took away her independence and her autonomy, I thought, earlier than needed to happen. Uh Later, so zoom forward, um, I was buying a used car off Craigslist, (laughs) uh, and two 60-year-olds brought me a vehicle, and it was their mom's, and she was 92, and I said, hey, this is a personal question, don't answer if you don't want to, but I'm doing some research, you know, where does mom live? She lives in the assisted living place in town. What did that cost you? And their answer was $150,000 out of pocket and ten grand a month. And I went, oh, we have a gap. We have a problem. 
Okay, when I speak on stage, and I have from Chicago to Tokyo, I say, raise your hand if you have a $10,000 mortgage. Because if you do, I'm adoptable. I'd love to see your home. We don't, right? And so, and yet the spec builder is only building the first and second home in your housing career. And so nobody's building a home for anyone 50 and over intentionally as a product. And 90% of our housing stock was built before any of this discussion. But as you said in the intro, we're all living longer, right? The joys of medical and technological advance, our lifespan has changed significantly after work. And uh, housing doesn't cover it. Wow, those are powerful examples that, uh, yeah, can understand how this became such a clear uh, challenge that then being able to recognize and devote your career to. So, you know, I made that statement, we're all living longer, you know, just from anecdotal perspective, but I'm curious, someone that's dived into this and dealing with it day in and day out, what is the data showing about uh, how much longer we are living than we were previously? And what are most folks wanting for their living arrangements there later in life? Right. Well, even the retirement age, I mean, think about, I don't know, 1900 when our lifespan was 47, right? And so a lot has changed and it's become quite exponential as medical and tech advances have gotten exponential as well. Uh, My grandfather on the other side, you know, he just passed in 2019 at 98 years old. Uh, and he and I did a little study. He's seen 97% of the technological advance being born in 1920. So, you know, if you want to go back to, <laughs> let's see, we'd figure out the wheel and the steam engine and steel and everything <laughs> else is since then, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, absolutely. Anyway, so, it, you know, so it's fascinating to think about. And so now we have this career that is post-work career, That may well be a third of your life. You might retire at 60. You might live to 90. Those are not unreasonable numbers anymore. But what is housing done? Not much. Because the spec builder who took his dad's firm over from 1984, well, dad gave him a spreadsheet and the bottom line is black, not red. So don't mess with me. I can't hear you. You know, it just, (laughs) uh, and it's frustrating. Uh, There's a lot of people speaking about what I speak about uh, at the National Association of Home Builders, which is where uh, we got CAP certified, that certified aging in place specialist. Um, A lot of contractors do it. But at the end of the day, it starts with design. It's not just a grab bar. It's not just how to make my house a hospital. We don't do that. Good design is universal design. And the sink that I put in that doesn't have two twisty knobs works just as well for an eight-year-old as an 80-year-old, you know, by not doing things that just are even thinking osteoporosis related. Uh, I, I tell people at the end of my presentation, I say, do me a favor, go home and do the sock and ball test. Just grab a tennis ball and then put a sock over your hand holding the tennis ball and go use your house. Can you get in from the garage? No, because it's a doorknob and the door's heavy. Can you use your microwave? Okay, just get people thinking about what if one thing changed? I mean, you know, blow a knee out. Are you happy about your stairs? We had a previous episode uh 
construction disruption where John Mitchell joined us and he talked about holding his grandson and knowing that anyone born today was going to live on average to a hundred was the stat he'd shown. And that stuck with me that uh, it's not, it's, it's dramatically changed since 1920, like you said, and it's only continuing to trend in that direction. We need to be thinking about it now. A few people are. So what are those uh key principles, you know, both whether as granular as you want to go and then more broad as well that that we need to be considering both in design and retrofit in construction right now? You know, I think that, again, when you take the cost of procrastination to the point of irreversible, right, I get phone calls after people fall and break their hip and the child is calling me saying, hey, when mom's done with PT or OT coming out of surgery, we need her house to be different in six weeks. Okay, I can't even start a project in the next six weeks based on the board behind me, ironically. Um, And so those that are willing to plan ahead, I have a great example. It's actually my folks uh, live down in Vancouver, Washington, next to Portland, Mom got these cool colored 3D drawings for redoing her master bathroom from the people in Portland that probably make all that money back on the cabinets. But, (laughs) you know, and I said, tell you what, Mom, I was home for Thanksgiving. I said, just give me the drawings, five minutes, and a red pen. Then I will never have to say I was right. Or I'll never have to say I told you so, and you'll never have to say I was right. (laughs) <laughs> all I did was put the places that blocking should be behind the walls, between the studs, change the shower to a zero threshold shower, no curb, change the door swing or made it a pocket door. Because if you fall inside the door, this is the fire department, EMT's biggest complaint is the five by eight spec house bathroom where most people fall, you're blocking the door because it swings in. You just cost yourself 90 seconds in an emergency while they get the door off the hinges. Okay, so I took mom's drawings and all I did was make the changes that made sense. I said, here mom, now you can tile your your shower floor to ceiling, do it all. When you need the grab bars that you're not willing to talk about today, you can put them wherever you want because of what I did on the drawing. So outside of the bathroom, you know, it's such a big consideration, like you said, where a lot of people fall. What are what are some other go-tos in the house that are top of mind for you when you think about how someone's going to live, eight, you know, their 80 years plus? Yeah, and, and speaking of, you know, living there longer, I, I mean, we do kitchens, we do full master bathroom, bedroom. Here's the deal, too, is when the kids all fl- fly the nest and leave and they get their launch done... Uh, a lot of us have this four-bedroom or three-bedroom house, and for the grandparents, that third and fourth bedroom, all it is is a vacuum cleaner and Christmas presents that grandma buys year-round, right? Yeah, there's better uses for it. Um, and the average person uh, buys a home about every seven years. And so when people ask me, well, what about resale value? Well, a lot of boomers are in a better position than most, both in the equity position and the FICO score position. They get pretty good rates if they need to borrow money. Uh, I said, look, at the end of the day, you know, if you borrow 150 grand to put an elevator in your house, 
right? We're only talking about 750 bucks a month, not 10,000 a month. If you don't think about it, fall and break your hip and your son from Philadelphia picks a house for you next off the internet. So back, but back to your question, I think the point of that is really that there's the savings in it. So I do suggest to people that you begin with the end in mind, even if financially you're going to do construction and phases, let's do all the drawing things. Let's do what does, could the kitchen look like? What could the new entry to the front door, uh, the entry from the garage, uh, anywhere that you guys use, we do, um, you know, there's air circulation, there are vents in the foundations of our houses. Well, that's why your house is two steps up to the front door. So we can get the vents above the ground that let the airspace breathe underneath. We can massage all of that stuff ahead of time, even if you build in phases. What I don't want you to do is spend a dime at a time during construction. But if you're doing each Band-Aid one by one, well, then you're going to go back and spend another nickel to start spending your next dollar because we didn't draw it all the way to the end, right? And so our recommendation, if you meet with us, is that we are having a conversation about the end of the sixth project. Let's draw the end game because also your contractor will make better decisions about what happens when if he can see the whole picture. Right? He might say, let's do phase one and two in this one part of phase three, because if we don't, we have to undo stuff the next time. Right. So, again, good thought process, good planning. It all it all comes down to being willing to not be in denial and be open to a conversation of how can we keep you home happy, longer, safer with your pet, with your garden, with your memories. ARP polls, 89 percent of people want to stay home. What are you doing about it? Makes so much sense, you know, planning it out, make, being as wise as possible with the order and the expenses along the way. Um, but then such a competitive advantage for you and that contractor willing to get in a conversation with those folks, really understand them, being in such, you know, knee deep in that consultative sales process. Um, you know, you ingratiate, say, ingratiate yourself quickly, I imagine. Yeah, you know, I've even had people, so I've written a book, it was eight years ago, and it's a real simple, quick read. It's just this. It's the wake up call part. It's not the room by room how to. Um, I had a lady call me from Anchorage, Alaska and say, hey, I'm flying down for Christmas to see my mom. I just read your book. I will literally pay you $250 an hour to come to dinner to tell my mom all the things that I've been telling her for a decade I need the third-party stranger who's the expert to walk in and say the same thing and be the person that wrote the book, Can You Come? Did you go? Uh, in that situation, she was close. It's not Christmas dinner, but I did go meet with them <laughs> while they were in town, yes. That's great. Um, and, you know, I could hand you a script and tell you what to go tell my parents, and it'd be way more palatable because I'm not the kid. Because that relationship never changes and it becomes very psychologically challenging. I'm in the middle of it. I'm a massive sandwich situation right now. I've got four teenagers and I feel like I have four teenager parents who won't listen, 
they're getting stubborn and grumpy and you know, they know how to do it and I don't. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I got eight kids right now. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah. So the psychology of the relationship is a huge challenge and it can be nice to have somebody walk in and tell them what you're thinking for you. Yeah. I think that's really good. You know, we, we had a prior guest on uh, the show once before who was uh, Rosemary Rossetti. Yes. And Rosemary had a, a tragic accident, I think, in her probably early 40s uh, that left her in a wheelchair. And uh, she talks a lot about universal design. And, you know, even though um, her situation you know, happened much younger than aging in place would have been, she still found herself in the same situation uh, much younger than she was expecting. And uh, she talks about that, you know, when I first went home from the hospital, I realized this house was simply never going to work for me again. Um, And they had to endure that for a couple of years as they designed and built uh, a new house. But uh, powerful stories that can be avoided if we simply do some, some forward thinking. Yeah. If you're willing to talk and she's brilliant and I know of her, we've spoken um, and she really did capitalize on that opportunity. Right. And she took adversity and found a way to make it an asset. And she is a, a national thought leader, very well spoken. And it's pretty easy to talk about it when it's your actual experience. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people like her, I mean, they are on presidential councils in the U.S. for things that matter, like designing for age-friendly communities or walkable communities. And, you know, how cool is it when people in a wheelchair and a walker can get to the skate park and enjoy watching kids, right? There's there's the urban version, and then there's the house version, and they, and they all matter. Those psychological elements, those family dynamics, you know, that – we find ourselves in at these stages. That's interesting. I've never thought about it, but you know, if we are willing to think about them earlier, I imagine those leaps become a whole lot less stressful rather than being caught between a rock and a hard place and being forced to think about them too. So what does this look like for building your business on this expertise and practice? Has, have you seen uh, more, you know, have you found that more and more people as year, years go by are, are seeking you out for this service? And I'm, do you find that people far and wide are calling you in to, uh, because they're not finding someone locally who's thinking about these things? Yeah, interesting questions, great ones. And at some level, some I'm even in the crux of right now, um, kind of staring at that precipice because there's you never have time and money at the same time right that's a, that's an old cliche so i actually went out on my own uh, scary enough and started adm architecture in 2009 when we were just falling off the last housing cliff uh, and this was around those aha moments that i had had the second one about housing from that 90 year old car person i bought so um I chose, while I didn't have the money, to grab every microphone I could grab. Rotary, Lions, Kiwanis, Chamber of Commerce, and then eventually home shows and and BIAW at the state level version of the Home Builders Association. Um, Yeah, I probably spoke once a month for five years before I was speaking on it nationally in Chicago at the American Society on Aging Conference, or I got 
I got a phone call from LA and they said, we'll fly you to Tokyo to go to the Home International Health Expo. We're doing a TV show about aging in place. So, um, yeah, I mean, it takes time, right? Every overnight success is a 10-year story. You just hadn't heard it yet. So uh, it takes time. And so it just comes down to passion and willing to tell the story to anybody who will listen. Uh, I'd say in a tri-county area now, as far as your question about building a business, um, I'd say within about a 50-mile radius, even contractors that I have not met. If they're in a house and someone uses the term client aging in place, the contractor will say, time out, call Aaron. We need, he, they need to do the project for us to get this right. So, yeah, it's a road. Uh, you have to believe it because you do have to stick with it. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's a space that we definitely have. And my father wrote software um, in the, what, 70s, 80s, 90s for the oil industry and taught me early as an MBA coming out of Purdue that, uh, you know, the one way to make sure you'll always have a job is to get your niche deep and narrow, not flat and thin, right? So being an architect's not enough. What's your unique sales position? And a lot of people, I mean, most people that can afford an architect are over 45. So I make sure that we're talking about, it might not be why they called our firm, but I make sure we're talking about it. I say, is there a chance this is your last home? Because at $10,000 a month, if I can do some things now that are in planning mode and you may stay in your home 10, 12 years longer, safer with your own independence, which you want, I said, I've saved you a half million dollars in retirement. And if your financial planner hasn't taught you how to do that with your house, tell them to call me because I'd love to have them out there selling for me too. Yeah, it's a powerful story of that when an example of when you can find that overlap between passion and unique value proposition, uh, you can find that success and enjoy it along the way for sure. It's fun to make a difference in people's lives. That's what we're doing. So switching gears a little bit, tell us the story of your, your other venture, uh, Silver Lining Properties. Oh, that's a quick one. Um, that actually happened long before I went out on my own. So 05 to 08, left architecture for a minute, um, got together with structural engineer, and we flipped houses and did lease options and all of that, but got caught in the crash. So yeah, my first experience of being my own boss, I bought 18 houses in 24 months. Wow. You were busy. So I was remodeling two with a contractor, buying one and selling one on a regular basis. Um, but we didn't hit that first plateau to the first set of refis. And so we had to wrap that up. And, but I came back a better architect for drawing remodels on sheetrock inside of a house <laughs> for a contractor. So, um, you know, good lessons. Call it my, call it my uh, PhD in business and and my master's in real estate and come back a better architect for being able to speak a lot of parallel languages. Yeah. So what of those takeaways would you share with young entrepreneurs in the construction industry on that <laughs> process right now? Uh, gosh, yeah. The young entrepreneur commentary. Uh, I think most entrepreneurs would tell you that their biggest lessons that lasted came from their biggest failures which involves risk, right? I mean, the being a type A that wants to start your own business, 
uh, is not for the faint of heart. And ironically, if you guys have ever read the E-Myth, many of us get into this situation as the technician who thinks that the CEO's life is really cool without any idea how to get from here to there. Uh, but you learn along the way. So, I mean, that's where I was. I was a drafter for a, for a 25 person firm. And I'm like, I want that guy's job. He goes to lunches, he drinks beer, he draws on napkins and he plays golf, not realizing that that's so that I have a job, (laughs) right? He's out building the relationships, but, um, you know, for me, I did it for time freedom. I did it. I like work hard, play hard. Um, you definitely put your hours in. Uh, 40's not a number I've used in a long time, but you also get to take breaks. I get to coach baseball. I get to, you know, I've coached my daughter's softball team for nine years. Um, and the cool part about what we do, it's not quite as true with construction where you can get in trouble for making noise at 10 p.m., but you know, 70% of what I do, nobody cares what time it is. So there, there's some freedom in that, honestly. You know, I can be gone from 2 to 5 p.m. and I'll just work from, you know, 8 to 11 when nobody cares where I am anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I like the time freedom. Um, yeah, but you, you got to have a little guts and you got to have mentors. You know, the people that got me here. Uh, we're actually, I mentioned being kind of at a crux or a precipice again. Uh, I've hired a couple of, you know, Silicon Valley level uh, business coaches just in the last 30 days to take me through a year of how do I scale my company? You know, with mentors that sell $30 million businesses, I don't have one of those. But the point is, if you can hire a coach, it's no different than working out, Right. Uh, I don't know how to look like you unless you teach me how to look like you in the gym. Same idea. So I, I believe in getting coaching, uh, regardless of what you're trying to get better at, because you're you are where you are, and if you're stuck, it's because you're not being coached from above. And I'm glad you mentioned the E Myth. That's a great book we've talked about before uh, here on construction disruption as well. And uh, of course, Michael Gerber and the E Myth Academy. Or I'm not sure what he calls it today, but they have a coaching division as well. But uh, great resource for young entrepreneurs. And coaching and mentoring comes up frequently too. We're sure. understanding that to get to the next level, we need some help from someone that's been there or, you know, and has gotten there themselves. So that's powerful. As you're going through this process of planning your business and scaling and growing, you know, uh, don't not asking you to share proprietary plans for yourself, but where do you see this going of your business and aging in place and in this opportunity? Yeah. Uh, a couple places, actually, you know, I think step one is that typically the type A that built the business has to become the guy that can let go of the baby and let someone else hold it. Um, so there's actually a fair bit of letting go. That's probably my personal growth. I need to switch to the mentor and the coach that actually isn't trying to hide proprietary but is actually trying to share what I know so they can do what I know so that I can get paid not to be here while they do what I do, right? Um, And then I actually do believe that I would like to get into um, being in the B2B space where I'm actually teaching and coaching this in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry. 
um, whether it's that I'm teaching in AHV classes or not. Uh, I always have argued in the last five years that, you know, my first job as an architecture firm, I'll zoom out for one second. Uh, I raised my hand at a rotary meeting, which I was a part of, and I said, hey, I hung my own shingle, and if you have a checkbook, I can draw a birdhouse, right? Like, that, that's, that's where you start. And my first job was the fire chief in our little town of 10,000 people was nice enough to say, hey, Aaron, draw my new deck. And it was the only project I had. So I went and built it with him for 20 bucks an hour because I didn't have anything else to draw. That's how I paid the bills and fed the kid the first 30 days. Okay. Now that we're where we are, um, I do believe that I am at some level better at relationships, business, and sales than maybe I even am as a stampable licensed architect. And I love, I love the numbers. I love the P&L. I love looking for data. Um, and maybe that's unique, but I think a, a lot of architecture firms, uh, you end up owning a firm because you're good at architecture, but I didn't take a single business class in college, and I sure wish I had. And so I think there's another venue there. I think there's a peel-off that would still involve aging in place as how to own a niche that is deep and narrow that I could teach to three to 12-person firms nationally. Fantastic. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it, and look forward to see where those ventures take you and, and what connections uh, come out of it. Um, so I'm curious, I think uh, we have a lot of listeners, construction disruption on the contracting retail side, you know, from your perspective on the doing the drawings and making the plans from the on the architect. And um, what what have you seen uh, contractors you've you've seen uh, seen do this well, have these conversations of aging in place and accommodate that uh, type of consumer who's looking out over, you know, what what their life in the house is going to be? What are some best practices or traits that you've seen uh, them exhibit during that process? Yeah, actually, when I took my CAP certification, which I think was somewhere between 09 and 13, uh, most of the room was contractors. And yeah, it's a good base level uh, education. It's, you know, cleaning up after yourself so that somebody that's eyes aren't as good as yours doesn't step on a nail. And I mean, it's, it's a great program. There's a lot more to it than that. But as you and I know, anybody that's been through some education system, it's kind of the baseline to put you out there. And then you learn another 80% in the field. Uh, so I find that the people that work with folks over 50, and especially if you're actually seeing a change in mobility, um, they lead with their heart. They, they care and they listen well and they're patient in ways that maybe you don't have to be with a 30 year old, um, yeah, at the end of the day, what I promise, and that's why it drives me nuts that our kids spend so much time on screens on in a 2D world, there is no replacement for relationship. You want to earn my trust, you sit with me, I shake your hand, I give you a hug, I lean into the conversation, and I'm present. I'm not distracted. I'm not multitasking. You're not an inconvenience to me. You're the only thing 
to me while you and I are together. And it takes practice. And I, I hope that we can teach that to another generation because I promise you it has everything to do with how I got where I got. All those ways we uh, make evident to whoever we're with that we have a genuine care and interest in them and their well-being. So if we can all approach whatever role we have in this, uh, this market with that, uh, we make a powerful difference for sure. Well, Aaron, we're getting close to our end of our time here. Is there anything about aging in place that we haven't touched on that, uh, or anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we could talk all day for sure on the topic. Um, I think a, a real good takeaway for the listener is the idea that 70% of what we do, I would argue, with just aging in place, good universal design, lots of parallels to both, uh, whether it's lighting or material color contrast or uh, there's real simple stuff that you can do that if you think it through and plan ahead works well into that last third act of life that is post-career, if we're referring just for round numbers to the 60 to 90. 70% of what I do in thinking through that design just works for everybody. Before we get into are we talking about Lou Gehrig's? Are we talking about eyesight? Are we talking about osteoporosis? And that 70% is the stuff that the spec builder did not think about, doesn't want to talk about, and we need to talk about now because our longevity career is completely different than the spreadsheet that those guys inherited from their dad who was the builder in the 80s. Very good. Absolutely. So, well, before we wrap up, uh, we have something we like to do here on Construction Disruption called our Rapid Fire Question Round, uh, where we have seven questions ranging from serious to a little more silly uh, that we share to let us get to know you a little bit more. As always, uh, listeners, Aaron does not know these questions if he agrees to them. Aaron, are you willing to participate in our Rapid Fire Questions? Bring it on. Awesome. We will alternate these uh, as we go through. So you only have seven. First one, favorite place in the world you've ever been? Oh, gosh. Kauai, probably in Hawaii. You're talking to two people who love Kauai. So gorgeous. Uh, next question. Oh, by the way, I have to say, as we're sitting here talking, my phone rings and it's my mother. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, no, is she trapped in her bathroom? And in reality, she probably just her cable box isn't working or something. But anyway, we'll find out what's going on there in a little bit. Well, that's uh, fitting and timely. Thank you. <laughs> Second question. Uh, what's the best age to be? I always wanted to be 27, but now I think I'd say 47, which was last year to me. Very good. When are you the most productive, mornings or evenings? Oh, man, 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. To me, it's the morning quiet. My brain is clear. Uh, I actually was, I was joking with my wife just a couple days ago. I go, I'm going to write a book called I Should Have Gone to Work Naked. And it's because I have all my great ideas in the shower. <laughs> it's, it's quiet. I, you know, she's like, why do you take long showers? You don't have any hair. I'm like, because I'm thinking. <laughs> No, I've I've long thought we need some sort of like dry erase board, but it had to be waterproof. Some yeah, way to like yeah. jot down in the or middle of the shower. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome book title, by the way. 
Um, fourth question. If you taught a subject in school, what would that subject be? I think right now it would probably be business leadership or aging in place. I think they're both, you know, for the AEC industry. Like I said, that's uh, if I can replace myself at ADM in a way that allows me to take on a new venture, that's probably where I'm headed. So that one's easy. Who is your favorite historical figure? Uh, we just took all four teenagers last summer right before the Delta variant showed up. We got super lucky and went from Seattle to Chicago to D.C., uh, and so did a big fat history lesson on the way and everything from gangsters and flappers to, uh, you know, museums and the Smithsonian. So, uh, gosh, I feel like just top of mind, I think I would probably put Abraham Lincoln in that category um, just from an, an honest, caring leadership perspective. Very good. Um, before the sixth question, by the way, Seth, it wasn't lost on me that um, every time you said we're aging longer, you looked at me. <laughs> I didn't miss that. I just wanted to let you know. Okay. Uh, question number six. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would that superpower be? I think I'd want to fly. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Last seventh and final rapid fire question. If you had to eat a crayon, what color would you choose? Kelly green, just to make sure I stay as Murphy true as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Good stuff. Uh, thank you, Aaron. This has been a real pleasure learning about uh, you, your firm, and uh, this uh, critical practice and, and topic in our industry of aging in place. Um, and you know, a blessing to hear how for you that falls all under uh, caring about people, uh, both now and, and well into the future, and are always grateful to connect with others in the, in the industry uh, driven by that. So thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you having me. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, absolutely. If someone were to want to get a hold of you, uh, how would, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, sure. So again, we're in Seattle. Uh, office line is 360-881-0282. Uh, or info at adm-architecture.com. Thank you so much, Aaron. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of Construction Disruption with Aaron Murphy of ADM Architecture. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We have many more great guests coming. And uh, please, if you would, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So thank you so much again. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption.